3: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision,
4: dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com Hey Molly, it's Lauren. Um from the UK. And I'm usually one of your premium subscribers, but this month I haven't been able to afford it, so I'm not this month, but I get paid tomorrow, so I'll be back on it. Um, But I just want to say things have been going so wonderfully. Life is just, it's bringing the best out in me. I've met a a great friend called Katie. (laughs) and We're just five. And I'm helping her get out of a relationship that's not working and everything's just working in our favour. I'm going to start a charity called Katie's Clothes. That's for young women coming out of difficult relationships so that they can have some funky clothes to start their new life with. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without you and the gifts you've given me and the wonderful messages you share all the time. And, And I'm so happy that you're doing your dream and that I can help pay for it when I can afford to help paying for it. I love you, Molly.
0: Welcome to Back from the Borderline. I'm your host, Molly. And I don't want to talk to your personality, I want to talk to your soul. The idea of alchemy is to reduce something with fire, burning it down so that something new can rise from the ashes. You can do this with your personality too. You can perform emotional alchemy. You've always had the power, you just didn't know that. And now you do. On this podcast, you'll learn to view your symptoms as saviors, as alerts from your body, mind, and spirit that want to let you know when you're out of alignment with the deepest yearnings of your soul. From chaos comes clarity. Through working with and integrating the concepts we'll explore together, you will emerge transformed, standing in the ashes of the person you used to be. That voicemail from Lauren choked me up and listening back to it while I'm editing this episode, it choked me up again. The work you're all doing is incredible and it brings me so much happiness in my heart to know that the work that I'm doing can help in any way and be a companion for you in your own journey And it sounds like that's what the podcast has been for you, Lauren. And thank you. And I wish you all the best on this amazing endeavor with Katie's closet and how this new friendship inspired you to want to give back and starting things that help other people is one of the best ways to heal ourselves. I think that's a underrated recovery hack is doing things for others. This kind of altruistic behavior that Lauren is engaging in, doing things for other people without expecting anything in return, has actually been proven to have mental health benefits. It gives us a sense of purpose and meaning. It reduces our stress. It enhances our social connectedness. It boosts our self-esteem. It. It helps us with a shift in perspective because helping other people gives us a broader perspective on life. It allows us to step outside of our own concerns and it even down to just the chemical nature of it, it triggers the release of oxytocin, which is the love hormone or bonding hormone. And oxytocin is associated with feelings of trust, empathy, and social bonding The listeners of this podcast are just amazing human beings. And Lauren, you are no exception. And part of the reason why I started putting programmatic ads into the public version of the podcast is because I know that not everybody can afford a premium subscription. And even though my premium subscription, my monthly fee is not exorbitant, you know, it's the cost of a couple of coffees or maybe one really bougie coffee a month. I know how it is to have to be really discerning about your spending and about your monthly outgoings. And right now, that's more important than ever for a lot of people. So I appreciate when people can subscribe to the content. I do my best to give you so much value as a premium submarine, but I also understand that not everybody is able to do that. So me reincorporating programmatic and dynamic ad insertions into the podcast is part of what helps me just still provide for myself and support myself with the ad revenue and also allows for people that can't afford to subscribe to continue listening for free so never ever apologize for that and when you can subscribe we welcome you back always to the premium submarines so never ever worry about that Lauren not gonna lie sometimes when I get voicemails like that I'm like struck with imposter syndrome because when people say this is you know, because of you, I'm like, no, it's not. I'm just one person. And meanwhile, the day before I might've been having like a breakdown on my floor because I'm sobbing and hormonal during my period or something like that. I definitely haven't gotten all this stuff figured out, but it brings me so much happiness to know that when I sit down in front of this microphone and put so much work into what I'm doing, it this makes it all worth it getting voicemails like that make it all worth it. And I know that my listeners know I'm not some guru perfect person, but that's part of the community I'm trying to build here is a community of imperfect people sharing the things that they're ashamed about, healing from these things, and figuring out how to have a sense of meaning and purpose and find what a life worth living means to each of us individually, together, as a collective. And I feel strong in saying that that's what we're building here together, all of us, even you listening, if this is the first episode that you're hearing, you are also taking part in this too. And speaking of ads, I thought that before we dive into a little bit more about my guest today, we'll just slap these dynamic ads right in right here so that it doesn't interrupt the interview for this episode. Please enjoy or don't enjoy these ads, but know that it's part of what supports me. So you can at least grin and bear it. I don't select these ads. They are dynamically inserted, similar to what you find on YouTube, something like that. So if it's something random or weird, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It's just dynamically inserted by a cast, my podcast host. So thank you so much for bearing with me and understanding why I need to have ads on the show and then we will hop right back into this and I can't wait for you to hear more about today's guest.
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: All right, everyone. Now that we're back from the ad break, I'd love to tell you a little bit more about today's guest. Today, you will be hearing my conversation with Bob Peck. Bob is a really cool and interesting dude. He is a festival award-winning filmmaker. He's an author. Of the book that we will be diving into today. His book is called Original Sin is a Lie. You'll be learning more about that in a moment. Bob has an important message. And for those of you who listened to my Toxic Shame series, which is an eight part series diving into dysfunctional family systems, shaming, scapegoating, religious trauma, all of these things wrapped into one, it really gives a high level perspective of the shaming nature of the messages that we receive from the collective, from society, and from religious institutions. I have had so many of my listeners reach out to me and say that specifically after my religious trauma episode aired on the podcast, the shame series episode that tied and talked about that, about what happens when we view God and we've been taught to view God as some punitive sky daddy figure that's always watching us and the damage that comes from that? People who have been raised in religious cults, in super fundamentalist environments, have reached out to me and shared the impact that these episodes had on them. And Bob and I, just like the rest of my fun spiritual friends that I've met lately, we connected on Instagram. And I loved the content he shared. He represents to me what it's like to walk the walk of truly integral spirituality. And I've spoken about integral spirituality a little bit on the podcast before, but it's a term that's often associated with the work of a philosopher and spiritual teacher named Ken Wilber. And the concept is rooted in something called integral theory. And Integral spirituality is essentially a comprehensive framework that seeks to integrate and synthesize various dimensions of human experience. And integral spirituality goes beyond traditional religious and spiritual frameworks by attempting to incorporate and honor diverse spiritual traditions, belief systems, and practices. Integral spirituality emphasizes the importance of recognizing the commonalities and connecting threads among different spiritual paths, aiming to create more inclusive and comprehensive understanding of spirituality and moving away from these shaming narratives and dogmatic fundamentalist positions, which I think is incredibly important and on theme for events in the world right now. Dogmatic religious belief, which is very exclusive and shaming and othering, is not helping anyone. And I think all of us can see right now that it is a destructive force. What I love so much about integral spirituality and why I hope it becomes much more mainstream and spoken about is because it takes a holistic perspective on spirituality. It considers the interconnection and interdependence of different aspects of the human experience. It involves the concept of levels of consciousness and stages of development. It suggests that individuals and societies can evolve through various stages of consciousness with each stage offering a different perspective on reality. And why I think this is so important to point out, especially before my interview with Bob, is that this is really important. People that practice religion from a really dogmatic, literal interpretation of spiritual texts are on just a different level of consciousness Once you start exploring and opening your mind and viewing some of these spiritual texts from a more metaphorical or allegorical perspective and seeing the connecting threads, that is the definition of kind of moving up levels of consciousness. Being able to see that a lot of these texts were written by fallible human beings playing a game of like spiritual telephone for thousands of years, of course, things are going to be swayed and misinterpreted and also skewed through the lens of the time. Something else I really love about an integral perspective of spirituality is that it's inclusive. It really encourages us to recognize that different spiritual traditions and practices all have valuable insights. And this type of spiritual pursuit seeks to transcend the limitations of exclusive and dogmatic approaches to spirituality that end up turning a lot of us off, especially millennials and Zoomers and will be also in the younger generations. We're just not buying into that shit anymore. But the thing is, we still need frameworks for meaning and we shouldn't just throw these spiritual traditions in the trash. It's about time that we all collectively, us younger generations, rise up And look for the threads of connecting truth so that we don't lose some of these really important myths and maps of meaning that are available to us. Integral spirituality, the goal of it, the what I love most, is that it's not just a personal thing. We are so individualistic right now, but a pursuit of integral spiritual development means the transformation of the collective consciousness It aims to address not only individual well-being, but the well-being of society and the future generations that are coming after us, as well as the planet that we live on. Bob's work and everything he shares, to me, screams integral spirituality. Bob has a bachelor's degree in religious studies and radio TV film from the University of Texas, and he is also in his filmmaking career has made what he calls conscious films, spiritual and advocacy documentaries since he graduated in 2011. He's also a practitioner of Kriya Yoga and he is a certified mindfulness and meditation teacher. The reason for our interview today is to talk about Bob's book and the title of this book, which is available now, is Original Sin is a Lie. But before we dive into my interview, we'll touch a little bit on this in the interview with Bob in a more casual manner, but I want to define this up top because you know me, you know I love to really lay in the groundwork for my interviews. The concept of original sin is primarily associated with Christian theology and it's rooted in the teachings of the Bible, particularly in the context of the story of Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. Original sin is the idea that humanity inherits a sinful nature as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The story as outlined in the Bible goes as follows. God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the Garden of Eden, instructing them not to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. However, as we all know, they disobeyed this command at the instigation of the serpent, which is often identified with Satan, and as a consequence, sin entered the world. The doctrine of original sin is often associated with the teachings of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. In the epistle to the Romans, Paul discusses the ideas that through Adam, sin entered the world, and through sin, death entered. He argues that sin and death have passed to all humanity because All have sinned. Now there are theological implications of this idea of quote unquote original sin. And for those of us who've grown up in societies that have been shaped by Abrahamic religions, primarily here in the United States by the religion of Christianity, we need to talk about what growing up in a society that many of its members believe and perpetuate this idea of original sin. What are the implications? Well, The first one is, is that original sin, according to this belief, is seen as hereditary. In other words, it's a spiritual condition passed down from generation to generation, as in we are born sinners. All human beings are believed to be born with this inherent sinful nature as a result of Adam and Eve's disobedience. The concept of original sin also underscores the idea that humanity is in need of redemption and salvation. Christian theology teaches us that Jesus Christ, through his sacrificial death on the cross, provides the means for humanity to be reconciled with God and freed from their consequences of this original sin. And in many Christian traditions, baptism is considered a sacrament that symbolizes the cleansing of original sin. Through baptism, individuals are initiated into the Christian community and are believed to receive God's grace for the forgiveness of all of their sins. So I've been contemplating this for the last few weeks after reading Bob's book and also after doing this seven-part toxic shame series. And the questions I was asking myself is, what does a society and individual as well, so collective and individual, what are our collective and individual consequences or fallouts from being raised in a society that primarily was full of people who were raised at least, may not believe, but at least were raised in a society that perpetuated the idea of original sin. How much could it hurt us? How much of an impact could it have? Well, it turns out a massive impact. And for anyone who is raised in a fundamentalist environment or really dogmatic religious Christian environment, they'll be able to tell you. But for those of us who maybe were just Easter Christmas type of Christians, or maybe were raised in a family that didn't really particularly follow any religion and you didn't go to church at all, this will still have made an impact on you because you heard these stories, it plays out in TV and film, and you will have been growing up with people that believed it. And in addition to this, many of the people that are ruling in our government and ruling from the top of many organizations, believe this stuff to their core. So what does that do to us, not only as individuals, but as a collective? Let's talk about that before we dive into my interview with Bob. So from an individual perspective, the belief in original sin suggests that we as humans are born with a sinful nature inherited from Adam and Eve. And let's not forget that Eve catches most of the flack on this Eve as the woman, the weaker sex, right? This notion could very well lead us to perceive ourselves as inherently flawed or tainted from birth, potentially fostering feelings of shame and unworthiness. Next, the idea of original sin is emphasized strongly within a religious or cultural context, and that means that there is a transmission of guilt and shame from one generation to another. Individuals might internalize a sense of guilt for being born with this supposed sinful nature, and this emotional burden contributes massively to toxic shame. The belief in original sin often comes with the idea of divine punishment for disobedience. So an individual who was force-fed this kind of dogma from a young age might live with a constant fear of punishment or judgment which can contribute to feelings of shame and anxiety. And if people internalize the belief that they're fundamentally sinful, it also, of course, and goes without saying, that it's going to impact their self-esteem and their self-image. They might struggle with accepting themselves and be more prone to experiencing shame of their body, of their desires, of their thoughts, feelings, and emotion. It's the beginning of that internalized critical inner parent. And so if you were raised in a religious dogmatic environment, not only is that internalized voice an internalized critical inner parent, it could be a critical and punitive God-like figure in your mind. The concept of original sin can influence interpersonal relationships by introducing a sense of inherent unworthiness. And this could contribute and does contribute. We see it playing out all the time to judgmental attitudes, a lack of empathy, and difficulty in forming healthy connections with others. I mean, how often do you see people that are supposedly good Christians being some of the most judgmental, shaming people on planet Earth, (laughs) perpetuating toxic shame and generational trauma? So now that we've talked about how it could impact the individual, we have to do what a lot of people don't do, which is zoom out and think about what happens when a ton of different people are experiencing these individual repercussions of an internalized belief of this idea of original sin. How does that impact then the collective? A pervasive belief in original sin at a societal level can contribute to the development of a culture marked by guilt and shame. And John Bradshaw, one of my favorite authors and who inspired my entire Toxic Shame series, he believed this as well. And when we are a culture marked by guilt and shame, soaked in this shame, this impacts social norms, institutions, and interpersonal relationships. And if individuals feel burdened by an inherent sinful nature, there is likely going to be a tendency to suppress their individuality and their authentic selves. This can stifle personal growth, creativity, and the pursuit of our true potential. And as all of us listening to this podcast know, is part of one of the main reasons that leads us to dis-ease or emotional instability or emotional disorder. Because when we feel like we can't be who we want to be, love who we want to love, live in the way that we want to live, and we feel like there is some punitive sky daddy always watching, judging, how do you think that is going to impact the collective when tons of people are buying into that and raising their kids to believe that too? Which means the idea of original sin, I believe, absolutely can't be discounted as a major, major causal factor in the skyrocketing rates of anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, self-harm, self-esteem on both individual and collective levels. So now that we've laid the groundwork and really understand the impact of this, let's read what Bob says about his book. Original sin is a lie. Jesus, a deeply profound teacher of love and unity, never said a thing about original sin. It's a doctrine invented by Augustine of Hippo over 300 years later. While there are certainly issues within institutional religion, upon textual examination and spiritual contemplation, there are also beautiful, enduring teachings of collective harmony and inner transformation. Underneath layers of ego, the real message shines through. And he includes a quote from the Rig Veda here. Truth is one. The sages call it by many names. In his book, author Bob Peck takes us through his own highlights of the quote spiritual buffet line from present embracing Zen Buddhists to insightful indigenous shamans and compassionate karma yogis. He explores the avatar doctrine of the Bhagavad Gita the work of Byron Katie, new science in relation to spirit, and the truth-loving message of Jesus. As Peck articulates, the Bible is not infallible, but in certain moments it does point to the reality of who we are. From psychedelics to the illusion to Bob Peck's own learnings along the way, original sin is a lie— is here to point us to a rich spectrum of mystic wisdom across the spiritual traditions and ultimately help us to uncover our true nature. If you are someone who has been raised in a fundamentalist Christian upbringing, if you're someone married to or in partnership with someone who is raised in this environment, or if you're someone who just got really turned off by religion and spirituality because of much of what I've already discussed, you will find so much value in this conversation with Bob and I. I've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast, but for those that are tuning in and are new listeners, diving in and finding what I call my own pick and mix bag of spirituality, finding what resonates for me and leaving the rest has been one of the most healing and transformative aspects of my recovery journey. Finding the connecting threads through these different traditions, rejecting some of the shaming and toxic elements of the religions that I was brought up in, and then reconnecting with something bigger than myself, it has saved my life. And I am hoping that this episode can help you on your journey too. And if anything else, just open your mind and connect you with a new way of viewing these things. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Bob Peck.
2: Hey, Molly. Hey, listeners. Bob Peck here. Glad <laughs> to be here.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, as I told Bob before we started the interview, I will have played an intro. So all of y'all listening will know a little bit about Bob. But my first question
5: for you, Bob, is... You have a pretty diverse background. You got degrees in religious studies, you worked in radio, TV, film, and also have experience working in big tech. And I would just love for you to speak to how your journey from filmmaker to author came about and what inspired you to write Original Sin is a
2: Lie. What a deep question. That's beautiful.
0: That's what we do here.
2: You know, it's all the roles. We're just dancing through all the roles, Molly. The first thing I ever did was I was a child comedian. Not only was I the class clown, I did stand up at like talent shows.
0: No way. When I was like 13. That's pretty brave.
2: And I killed.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Amazing.
2: <laughs> I would do jokes about like Nintendo 64 and like not having Emery's. a girlfriend. Yeah. And, um, I went, then I went to college at UT Austin, Hookem horns and met like way funnier guys and gals. And I was like, oh, this isn't like, <laughs> I, I was like, I don't want to go into like improv comedy, mad respect and like stand up, love yes. the whole scene and love those people. But I've always been reading spiritual books, kind of my background, um, as like an Easter Christmas Christian and Mm -hmm. which is going twice a year and then just having a really progressive dad who um, was like going through his spiritual awakening in the 90s as I write about in my book and so I was very much exposed to eastern philosophy and world mysticism from an early age so I was reading all those books this whole time and I went to college and I uh, went for film and I looked up and all my electives were in religious studies so I was just mm-hmm. loving shamanism and Indian Buddhism and formative New Testament, mm-hmm. um, you know, Paul, the Apocrypha. I just, all my electives were on religion. And so I just said, I'm not doing comedy anymore. I'm going to do um, very serious religious films.
1: Wow. <laughs>
2: well, they were like spiritual documentaries. So yeah. i wrote spiritual documentaries for about, eight years uh my 20s and i did not know that nobody would want to watch them i don't know it's just, it's i'm like really proud of them still i couldn't make any money we were talking about this uh, before i i was kind of starving filmmaker for that period i made a documentary called the kingdom within about yoga and christianity and kind of their similarities and differences
1: mm-hmm. and
2: licensed it to gaia um but Gaia guy gave me five thousand dollars which <laughs> Thanks, was Gaia. it was a nice check at one time for a 23 year old but yeah um, and they it was know like, that
0: too that's the it was like three part. years
2: worth of work you know yeah and it was like i can't i gotta learn some new up. skills so i learned digital marketing so i wound up in big tech kind of that was like second acts, and then i started writing all this stuff some of it actually was like from from facebook posts even here's yogananda's take on easter and you know people liked it and I started publishing on medium and a couple of articles got some thumbs ups
1: and mm-hmm. I said,
2: okay. And so then I looked up and I had about 40,000 words of like random stuff. It, wow. it was all different kind of, uh, ideas and anecdotes and just journal-y stuff. And then I said, okay, R- really, right. I guess around 19, 2020 um, I said, I think this is like a piece and put it together. And so it's all over the place. Original Sin is a Lie, the book. It's a cohesive intro to world mysticism. Now I'm in act three of like kind of combining the jokey early years with the serious middle period. Say like, this is kind of the integration of can we kind of take this stuff a bit lighter and still traverse the depths
0: and I think that's the magic of what you're able to do, because I think you speak to a very specific niche group of people that are so open to something more, but they've been driven. And we're going to talk a little bit more about original sin and all of that in a second. but. There are so many people now that I think are open to something, but they've had driven into their mind, you know, like if you, I'm just speaking to what I think is an audience that can really be impacted by your work. Anyone who was raised in a Christian upbringing, who kind of had the messages of we're all sinners
5: and some of these more. Yeah. are just filthy kids. Yeah. Yeah. That you're bad, you know, thinking that there is a punitive authoritative sky daddy that's always watching you. So if you're masturbating in your room, sky daddy is watching and you're going to be damned to hell forever if you tell one lie. I mean, I remember growing yeah, it's up. It's
1: terrifying.
5: I remember growing up, my sister was get, going through confirmation, Catholic confirmation. My sister's 8 years older than me. And so I'm like a little kid in my room and my sister would come back and like tell me what she learned for at confirmation school. And she basically was like, "Yeah, so like if you lie, you're going to hell." And I'm <laughs> like, I had like told like five lies that day, I think. And I was like, "Well, I guess I'm screwed, but but all jokes aside, I had paralyzing fear as a child. Like, I can yeah. laugh about it now through the lens of this higher awareness that I have, but those messages really impacted me. My household was like you said, they were more more like Easter Easter Christmas Christians. My sister was going through confirmation, but that's just kind of what you did when you were Catholic, but we we were jack Catholics as they said. Like we we, we we're just chill. But so I can't even imagine how much more this religious trauma would impact someone who had extremely fundamentalist parents, like parents who were also parroting that stuff, because I had parents who'd be like, if I would tell my mom, I'm going to hell because I lied. My mom would be like, well, oh, no, you're not. It's all right. But yeah. I, then I would have to be like, well, then why is why is church saying I'm going to hell? Who am, to- I, who am I supposed yeah. to believe, Father Gary right. or my mom? Like Right. And I thought Father Gary was God. I thought that's another prominent thing to take away. Like I thought my Catholic priest was God. So much confusion goes on in our minds, I think, as kids, when we're fed with these messages. And that brings me to my next question. You know, your title of the book, Original Sin is a Lie. It's a powerful and provocative statement. You know, why this title?
2: Thank you. Yes. And, you know, to yours share there, I my heart goes out to all those people. And I've yeah. met some of them now in the past year that grew up just in this state of absolute anguish. And uh yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's very motivating for me um, yeah. to 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 megaphone mystic philosophy and the truth of our inherent essence of unity and love, um, to try to help people understand that or start to see that. Um yeah. start to see that within themselves. Um because original sin is a big old lie. Um, Tell my listeners know, what it,
5: is for those that don't yeah, know. But, well, what oh, is original sin as as um the as a religious traumatizing concept? Can you describe that to listeners who might not be familiar with it?
2: Totally. Yeah. So it comes. It actually comes from um, Augustine or Augustine, Augustine mm-hmm. of Hippo. Um, several hundred years, three hundred about three hundred years after the death of Jesus. Um it's the the first page of my book um augustine Mm -hmm. and pelagius were arguing it was basically a dispute between two monks um augustine said we're originally sinful meaning that our inherent essence is dirty um, bound for damnation without christ's salvation uh your belief in this you know one person's um perfection and kind of rescuing or you know blood ransom honestly is kind of what it is which uh, I realize is I know this is sensitive for some people to frame it like that but um you know that's it's 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 Augustine reading some of Paul and some of Genesis basically to come to that interpretation um Jesus never says anything about it um in fact he actually says, in my view, the opposite. He says, the kingdom of heaven is within you, Luke 17, 21. Um, he talks about John becoming sons of God. Um, and and I should say, uh, Augustine and Pelagius, Pelagius just said we're originally neutral.
1: Mm.
4: We're
2: not originally good necessarily or originally bad. And We honestly, contain both. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, somebody called me a Pelagian online, which is kind of a, funny like (laughs) comment uh was like I don't own that but I'll laugh about that um (laughs) but yeah I think you know really seeing the not chiseled in divine stone that this stuff is like it's very human create human made and human read yes. and that's what you know by And it's the product
0: of people who were clo- cloistered up in monasteries,
5: right, reading different interpretations of these teachings and making their own inferences
2: about it. Absolutely. The original connection to creator, to source, to the all in the case of the man from Nazareth, I think is extremely legit, powerful, transformational even. I'm a huge fan. Mm. of jesus um but like the cosmic christ version
0: (laughs) yeah yes (laughs) not
2: necessarily the lord the savior stuff and so bible scholarship classes i don't i don't call myself a bible scholar because i just have a bachelor's but i you know i'm happy to say i'm a student of bible scholarship four years of study and then about a decade of personal study you know you see the humanness of these documents you Mm -hmm. see um you know one thing and 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 really step one in kind of deconstruction is like the Bible's infallibility um, in terms of like its humanness. May, may, and your audience knows all this, you know, maybe yeah. it's so part of my work is kind of telling like religious people, hey, all spiritual paths are valid. The other part of my work is kind of telling, hey, secular people, don't throw out the baby with the bath.
5: That's right. <laughs> There's some
2: real gems in here and they're very ethically transformational, work, yeah. contemplation. Because I'd say so,
5: the vast, the vast amount of my listeners, Bob, will probably be are on the latter side and I can relate to them. I know. Mm-hmm. That and they know this, that I, I started out as super agnostic just because I was turned off by anything that told me that, you know, my friends, if they believed something different than me, were going to hell. What was crazy, especially about the homosexuality stuff, that was the stuff yeah. that really made me go screw this because. I had friends and the message was a good friend of mine is Mormon and he's gay now and he's no longer uh, an active member of the church. But yeah. I, what he was told was, okay, you might be gay, but don't act on those homosexual urges. Right. right. Like that's And I'm just going, that's just when don't I just, a boy. yeah, I just was like, this is not, I just don't think that any divine entity is worrying itself about that stuff quite frankly. So it really, it did. It turned me off big time. I think Um, the
2: homophobia lost a lot of people in our generation and especially the younger generation. The millennials and the Gen Zs are like, oh, what?
5: I'd love to hear you speak a bit more about, you know, now that we know that original sin is essentially y'all are dirty sinners. And that's how you're born. I would love to know from you, you know, after you speaking to people, their reactions to your book, because I did a whole eight part series on toxic shame. And one of those episodes was about religious trauma. And, and I went into original sin and punitive, authoritative, fatherly God, that kind of thing. And we already discussed this, but From your perspective, how can these teachings of original sin, daddy always watching for you to fuck up vibes, religion stuff, how can this contribute to the development of toxic shame? Like when we internalize that belief, how does this play out in our lives? What's the impact that you've seen that it's had?
2: It's heartbreaking. I've had also comments where people say, I never want to hear the word Bible or Jesus again. Yeah. Um, You know? I I totally understand that and I really send peace and empathy and understanding to people who just had this stuff shoved down their throat yeah um for you know 18 years or whatever um yeah I think it's terrible and and you know thankfully for me and I think you know the reality of human civilization is that once you study really what they're called the mystics uh, mm-hmm. the mystics throughout history um you know there's basically these people men and women throughout history throughout traditions that you know one of the terms is like break they've broken the veil um Mm -hmm. they've kind Mm -hmm. of seen through um the the suffering the dualistic polarity of this plane of existence they've sometimes they're called ecstatics because they'll Mm -hmm. have kind of this ecstatic uh awareness this like trance like bliss uh, you know, and some people say they're crazy, you know, and several of them were killed by the institution, yeah. right? Um, so they're the opposite, you know, of that kind of shameful, all, everything that the mystics say is that mm-hmm. um, it's, it's the opposite of that. It says they say that you're actually the most beloved thing to creator. It's ineffable, actually. It, mm-hmm. it, it, the love of creator for you is so profound, limitless present it's only our own awareness of it that's the only yeah. obstacle it's 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 yes. polishing the mirror is is a is a term in mystical philosophy kind of you know you're just cleaning the mirror to be able to reflect the light remember who you are to undo the obstacles to the awareness of love's presence it's all we're doing we're just removing the the film
0: and you know i think that a lot of people even if they weren't born in into fundamentalist christianity or a fundamentalist religion of other kinds you know because i'm not just saying christianity isn't the only religion that is like very punitive sometimes there's
5: others that are I think that our culture and society also sends us a lot of original sin type energy, even if it's not being cloaked in religious clothing. And I I don't even know what better way to put it. We really are permeated with the message that we are kind of like bad and that we should feel bad and we're never going to be good enough. It's a weight. It's a physical weight on people, especially right now. On Instagram, you're never pretty enough. You're never good enough. You're never right. lovable enough. You always have to buy something else to find your inherent worth. And I think if I were to talk about- Inherent. You have inherent worth. A lot of people roll their eyes at that.
2: The best way to explain it for me, again, kind of going back to the mystics, is this dichotomy of voices. And some of this applies, you know, I love your work from a psych- psychological lens, in kind of a Jungian lens, in terms of mm-hmm. the ego, yeah, you know, and and one of my favorite books is a spiritual masterpiece called The Course in Miracles. Um, it makes the distinction between listening to the ego voice or mm-hmm. Holy Spirit voice, not the Christian Holy Spirit necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. It's not quite it, um, but uh, or in kind of New Age New Thought spirituality, it's like higher self, right? Yeah, familiar yep. with that term, so. Kind of higher self or even advice is the self capital S.
4: You know, yes. listen
2: to the, the self or listen to the ego. The ego yep. is a tyrant, the ego is demanding, the ego is wanting external things. And when you're in that place of mind, you're never going to be happy. You're always going to be looking outside yourself. You're never yep. wanting satisfied. The next satisfied. You're always wanting the next thing. Whereas the self the fullest kind of truer essence of who we are the screen removed is perfectly accepted it's like when you see a baby all
5: you have to do you don't have to be religious to see a baby (laughs) and see that a kid a little child and they're just like they're shameless they'll just pull their pants down and run around no
2: whispered into their ear yet
5: And in my podcast, we talk a lot about higher self. We talk about, you know, the critical inner, the internalized critical inner parent. And sometimes that is a critical internalized inner God figure. And it kind of makes me laugh because if you're just, you're not spiritual at all, you wouldn't consider yourself spiritual. It behooves everyone to understand that there are different parts of our inner self, right? Regardless, because we all have heard the critical, Mm inner narrator telling us that, oh, why did you say that in the conversation? Everyone's looking at you. Oh, look how stupid you look. That is the ego. The higher self is going, everyone fucks up. You're good. There's nothing wrong with you. You're human. You're imperfect. And I also don't want to just crap on fundamentalist Christianity. I think we're even seeing right now, you and I spoke about this a bit before we started recording. I think a lot of new age spiritual content creators that are selling their breathwork courses for $4,444, like (laughs) angel (laughs) Angel number pricing. There's opportunists
2: everywhere, you know?
5: They're coming. And the thing that breaks my heart, I actually have a friend that I went to high school with that's doing this right now and I'm watching her doing it. And I'm like, no, she's Mm. such a nice person. So nice. I know for a fact by this guy, she doesn't listen to my podcast and doesn't even know that I have a podcast, I think. So it's all good. But she, because I don't want to, Denigrate her, also, she,
2: it's okay to sell things, yes, just but
5: the vibe yep. is I will heal you, and and like, I mean, for God's sake, she's in her late 20s, like, she's not you can clearly yeah. see that there's no the inner- 22
2: year old life coach, yes. yeah, renting
5: out yeah. the Airbnb and Joshua Tree with their angel number course pricing, yeah, and so. People are traumatized on all sides because they're saying, I don't want fundamentalist religion. I don't want this. And I say, go to mysticism. That's where it's at. It's like the hidden secret.
2: <laughs> it really is. And it's so beautiful. I'm so glad that you, I know we touched a little bit too about your journey, like that you're, you ha- what happens is you have these experiences. You're open, yes. you're compassionate, you're willing to receive, and then you start to get some synchronistic moments, which is yeah. like Jung. You know, you you start to have these kind of undeniable um, kind of no go backable moments. And then you start to say, oh, wait, other humans have seen this. And I mean, you know, I I love my scientific materialist fam. um, And but then they're going, but what about the empirical? What about the empirical? And, And and. the empirical is fine. It's needed. It's necessary to
5: what Bob means by empirical. It's like right. It's the the people that are saying I want a peer
0: reviewed study that proves that this is right. Is that what you right. mean, Bob?
2: Yeah, exactly. Like there's a unfortunately there's a there's a stubbornness within science that is some you know scientifically minded people are unwilling to be open, and it's, it's for, in my view it's a real betrayal of science, because I think that the beauty of science actually is that it's always open to discovering the next level of awareness, the next possibility. You showed, you know, uh, I think I say this in my book, if you showed, you know, the Puritans a microscope that they would burn it. No, this is just the next level of awareness, the next level of awareness. So let's be open to that. But the ego takes a hold of everything and everyone so inside like, no only this is you know only that just like in religion
5: there was an old bill maher clip that that's easy to, to search There was. it's like it's from the 90s and i think that he i could, i can't remember who he had on as a guest i think it was bill gates or something like somebody was prominent in the tech world and said and bill maher went so you say we're gonna have these little things in our our hands and we're going to be sending e-messages like he's talking about email
2: like so funny
5: and I'm like he couldn't even conceptualize I really like, 2000s, like
2: inter- yeah. internet yeah <laughs>
5: he but what I'm trying to say is like That's Bill Maher awesome, couldn't even conceive of a reality where we would be holding devices right. in our hands and be sending messages back and forth but here we are we all have to remember and that was 10 years
2: ago or 15 years ago or whatever yeah
5: and and shit is moving way faster then yeah. that lex friedman just did an interview with mark zuckerberg where they were fully ai i mean you know yeah. this In the metaverse, um, yeah, yeah. yes and so and people that laughed at the metaverse remember the like little dookie like the cartoon characters ad? weird yeah, yeah. shit going on
2: yeah, absolutely go it's and-
5: about to get way more real literally our children are going to be growing up in a world where we couldn't even conceive so the best thing that we can do right now anyone can do i think is just just open your mind and say, maybe yeah. the impossible could be, be possible. Maybe the paranormal is only paranormal until it's normal. Because if you're stuck in this mindset of, oh, that's, that's woo-woo bullshit towards anything.
2: It's the it's balance. All. It's the technical.
5: And there you go. That's what I like. We were talking about this before we recorded. And I think that this is really important to say to the listeners before we recorded listeners. Bob was talking about how a listener back from the borderline. So if she's listening now, shout out. Hey, she was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Do you want to talk, Bob, a little bit about what she said about intuition?
2: Well, yeah, Molly very sweetly shared one of my things. And this young woman found my work through the handle that original sin is a lie. She's like, that's interesting. She was like, thank um, God, I really
0: need to, what is this about?
2: <laughs> right. And she's read my book. And, uh, you know, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, kind of her background. She was Jehovah's Witness. I've met several of these lovely human beings who were raised uh-huh. like hyper fundamentalist and um, are no longer. And there's kind of this you know, like how you were describing and so that I've noticed with people, there's almost like this act one of like hardcore religion and questioning or questioning being suppressed, et cetera. And almost Mm -hmm. like an act two of being like, it's all BS, you know, punk rock, screw everything of it. And then the act three is kind of like, wait a second, maybe we are all connected. What, what are these feelings, you know, and the kind of spiritual act three. And so I, I really, honor that process. And by the way, wherever you are, that's great. And it's important to really be embodied in that period for your own self and your own awakening. But what she said was, I feel like my BS meter is broken. Also, my book is like very like spiritual buffet line. It's like, here's some Zen. Here's some (laughs) Advaita. Here's some shamanism.
5: I love it. Me and you are so, we're so on the same level because I always tell my listeners, I say, I've created my own pick and mix bag of spirituality. And that's what I think everyone should do. Right. Like I love spiritual, (laughs) I love that.
2: Yeah. Like it's, it's okay to do that. And um, so, but I think, you know, very importantly to share, like there are opportunists in religion and spirituality. There's narcissists, there's the, they're, they're damaged people you Mm -hmm. know creator still loves them and no judgment but we can avoid them i think what we were talking about was for me my bs meter is there's an intuitive component and a rational component so intuitively when i see a new teacher see a new teaching you know what is it trying to say is it trying to help me is it trying to Free me? Is it reminding me of my own inherent worth and dignity and value as a human mm-hmm. and the connectedness of all beings? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it saying that they're exclusive, that they're the one source of the information, that they have some higher thing than everyone else? You know, it's it's green flag or red flag from an intuitive standpoint. And yeah. then you have also your rational. You can you can look people up, <laughs> you know, you yes. can see their business practices, you can see what other people have experienced in their you know, work in their community, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, I definitely honor, you know, I, I highly encourage openness to, to your point of kind of that weird, that we may, we all discover the next, you know, level of consciousness awareness, et cetera. And at the same time we could still retain our ability to be discerning and in a healthy way.
0: I talk a lot in the podcast about intuition and how mm-hmm. those of us who Often end up with kind of dis,
5: I call them dis labels, like disorder dysfunction labels through the mainstream psychiatry.
4: Mm. Many
5: people are often very traumatized people. And yeah. the medical model of mental health really tries to tell us that there's some kind of, isn't it funny? Because also mental health has the original sin vibe embedded into it because it's like there's something wrong with you. You oh, have a dis. This- you have a disordered personality. Here's who you are. We have the answers for you. Here's the medication you need. Here's the da, da, da. And my listeners know very well that I believe medications can be helpful. And, you know, but it's like you said, you have to use your discernment. And I think that many individuals who are traumatized and find themselves seeking out answers, we have a damaged connection to our intuition. And it's because growing up, I always was a very intuitive person. I was having really big questions, big spiritual existential questions from a very young age. And when I spoke about that, I was told, like, don't think about those things throughout my life when I would see things that I thought was wrong, like the way women were portrayed in the media or the way that I was treated at work, thinking that this is wrong, this is sexist and calling it out and basically having. Witch hunt vibes projected back at me. You know, you just need to go with the flow. And so, over time, our intuition is just chipped away at. I think that that's what leads to what that beautiful listener brought up to you. What an amazing thing that she's able to admit and even be aware of the it's fact, an fact
2: incredible that incredible level of self awareness. Yes, able to say that. Yes,
5: yes, and that's why I always tell my listeners. God bless them because they come to me. So many people say, Molly, I'm just, I'm so fucked up. I'm finding so much relief in your podcast. This is what's wrong. They're unpacking all of their issues so beautifully. And I'm like, yeah. do you not understand how amazing it is that you're even aware of these things? So I'm just telling listeners, like, you know, if you feel like that, Bob's message to me is so powerful because you can't just go based on, oh, my intuition is leading me. My favorite tarot card is the magician tarot card. And the figure on that card has one hand pointed up with the wand and one arm pointed down at the, the ground. And hmm. the message of that harmonizing is harmonizing yes, you want to have your head in the clouds, but also your feet on the ground. And you have to have a middle ground of that. And when you pull that card reversed, it's meaning that there's imbalance there, opposedly. That's the that's right. the interpretation. Right. Yeah. Beautifully
2: put. And I want I just had this quote up. I wanted to read it before we continue on that piece because that's a great gateway into mystic philosophy. Schopenhauer says, all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as being self-evident. That's really good. Paranormal till it's normal. (laughs) It's ridiculed, then violently opposed, then it's self-evident.
5: Back to your book, it does dive into these various traditions and thinkers, the spiritual uh, buffet line, as you described, I'd love for you to share some key insights from the book that like challenge those traditional religious beliefs, particularly in the context of original sin and the Christian interpretations.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of places I could go. I mean, I actually went on a post-Mormon podcast and I really like this gal. She's uh, she's called No Nonsense Spirituality on TikTok. Okay. Her name's uh, Britt and uh, she's really great. She's blowing up. And uh, I didn't realize how secular she was, and, she, they, and in my bio I say I'm the spiritual student of Christ, Krishna, and the Buddha. I'm happy to honor the, the three giants of humanity. And they said uh, on the podcast, they said, why those three, Bob? That's an interesting combo.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I said, uh, oh, it's because they're avatars. <laughs> it was like minute four of the podcast. And they were like whoa 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 what does that mean explain you know very like secular land and you know i i honor again where that where those folks are um avatars and kind of you know for me i have i have a chapter on these three and their overlapping teachings Um, krishna is a christ-like figure from hinduism Mm -hmm. and buddha is uh, you know the founder of Buddhism. We all know Jay, um, and those those, those <laughs> three guys, JC. Those those three <laughs> guys sound very similar. You know, yes. um, You know, when you when you, you kind of strip away the dogma, what are they actually teaching us? Yeah. Um, it's very profound. Uh, you know, Jesus says, "Love your enemies," which is incredible. Nobody says. Th- nobody's doing that. No. Now, love your enemies. You mean the people who wrong me? Just pray for those who persecute you. Um, Buddha says something very similar. He says, like a mother loves her baby, radiate compassion to all beings. What's more profound than a mother's love for her baby? That's the level of compassion and love that you should try to radiate, which is a great verb, to Mm -hmm. every being. You know, that's an early chapter. I think chapter four or five or something like that. In terms of mm-hmm. saying, like the 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 teachers themselves, kind of behind the the religions argue. The folks in power and the institutions, uh, those are the ones who. You know, want us to go to war and so on right. at the
0: institutional right. level it's more political at the mystical level it is more about the core teachings the concept of the perennial philosophy mm-hmm. can you tell listeners what from my
5: understanding perennial philosophy is that's that connecting thread between all mystical and religious traditions right can you explain to my listeners a little bit about that is that is that kind of the the vibe you're getting at
2: Totally, yeah. And Aldous Huxley, the great British novelist and writer, wrote um, a book called *The Perennial Philosophy*. I think forty something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty wordy. It's not for. A friend of mine was like, "I was like, have yeah. you read Huxley?" He goes, "I couldn't get through it, man. It's tough." And I kind of, I, I'm kind of writing my version of it. Admittedly, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, yep. So thanks, Hux. Um, <laughs> But you know, it's been uh, all the Hindu masters. Uh, in fact, even the Rig Veda. Actually, I quoted, I think, on the back of my book is the sages call it many names. The truth is one. Uh, is from one of the oldest documents in civilization. The Rig Veda is I think 1800 BCE or earlier. What is that one uh, truth? Yeah, the one truth is you know, according to the mystics and according to kind of the veil breakers. Um, that we are all connected in this very profound way. Secular people are comfortable with saying like, we're all one family, we're all brothers yeah. and sisters. And I think yeah. that that's imminently true. Um, but I, I will, I, you know, the mystics take it a step further. They say this we're all actually one. We're all actually kind of one. It's the substratum of all yeah. things is this kind of capital C consciousness
0: is that the concept of like the universe, like is you are the universe playing hide and seek with itself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Ram Dass says we're all God in drag.
5: Well, you know, Paul says we're all born naked and the rest is drag.
2: That's really
0: good. <laughs> right. Which I bet Ru probably also got that a little bit from Ram Dass because Paul is also very into mysticism as well. Um, oh, yeah. Love Ru. But-
5: yeah. All born naked and the rest is drag. You know, RuPaul's favorite uh, movie and book like book is the wizard of Oz because you know that there's so much mystical. Dream. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. so much mystical. Um, I did a whole episode on that on night, night oh, bitch amazing. on my podcast, other podcast. but I want to bring up another concept because you're talking about this, this oneness, right? This universal truth that we all actually are connected. And yeah. I have lots of friends who have dabbled in psychedelics and you talk about the topic of, of, of psychedelics in your book. Almost everyone that I know that has done like by the way there are there are friends who did psychedelics like did a shit ton of mushrooms when we were in high school and had like the worst trip of their life but then i'm talking about my friends who have consciously taken psychedelics in the form of like a plant medicine situation and like took it with a conscious intention to you know move through a dark night of the soul or have some kind of realization so these people who've consciously taken these substances i'm really serious about like like making that a point to say that the realization that they've had has been Oneness with everything, and everyone describes it in a little, little different way. But it kind of reminds me of different religions. You hear someone really? has, talk about their psychedelic psychedelic experience, and they're gonna describe it in their own way, just like when people see Marian apparitions, right? Or like have different, depending on the culture you're in, you will have certain experiences or mystical experiences that match you. That's it's kind of presenting itself in a way that that will work for you no, it's a but at the end
2: for your yeah, but at exactly the end of need. the day
5: the message is the same so i'd love to hear you kind of wax about how psychedelics can offer like a glimpse in into that impossible realm and really connect our exploration of spirituality and mysticism and that realization of oneness
2: i'm from psychedelic <laughs> usage um as a tool yes and you framed it all perfectly there's not you know I could talk for an hour about this, but why bother? Because you just summed it up beautifully. Um, mm. Tim Leary, actually, of all people, who kind of I've noticed culturally, retrospectively, has not a great reputation. Who's there, Tim oh, Leary?
0: Was, okay, wait,
2: wait. he was um, he was a very big acid proponent. Okay, he was a Harvard psychologist, and he met Richard Albert,
0: and, and he got and, dismissed from Harvard, right?
2: They were both kicked out of Harvard for studying psychedelics.
0: I just, just fucking talked about this on my fear of death episode, Bob. Oh, so my. listeners will have heard about this. So, interesting. Okay, great. But keep, so keep we going. Go into
2: great detail. I actually do tell the story of Ram Dass, who was Richard Alpert, who started doing psychedelics at Harvard with Sim Yeah. Uh, they got fired. And then he found this guru in India, um, you know, we can go into it in greater detail, but um, it's in my book. It's that he wrote a book called Be Here Now. Which mm-hmm. you're with. Uh, but Tim Leary was his kind of, uh, you know, the guy who said, Hey, come try this. And so, deep respect to Dr. Leary as well. He kind of became like a counterculture icon and celebrity. He actually was imprisoned for cannabis for a couple of years. Oh my God. Um, and he was running for governor against uh, Ronald Reagan in California. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the great story Wow. All these I guys. didn't know that. Um, so the you know, the Beatles song Come Together. Yes. So John Lennon wrote that as Tim Leary's gubernatorial campaign anthem.
0: Oh shit.
2: Yes, to try to get Dr. Leary um to be governor. Elected. California. I know, what but he got trip. arrested for cannabis before the uh, election. Anyway, oh, um God. he Dr. Leary's is set in setting with some of the terms that he coined about this. So when you take a psychedelic, um, the set just means intention Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: setting is environment, right? So, you know, I think in in America, we do psychedelics in really two of the worst places ever, which is a party or a music festival. And not worse places i've had pleasant times in both of those environments but they're not conducive um, to mystical
5: experiences
2: really right the best way to do them in my humble opinion and in the opinion of people much more uh, expert than i is uh you know having an intimate setting either alone or with a teacher or with you know a loved one or two and um yeah having the intention in in one space it's not a good idea to leave the environment typically um mm-hmm. that's not recommended um stay in your home or your backyard or the nature where you have a campsite whatever it is and have the intention like you said to you know come to a greater awareness about yourself yes. about um you know all creation and uh it can be uh, very profound um you know it's it's it, the, what i've experienced i really haven't had too many crazy visions i've talked about this uh, yeah. a lot some people have like been in the void and like seen
1: beings and jesus yeah. and
2: aliens or whatever yep. like i haven't had that uh respect those uh, experiences but my um what i've taken away from my psychedelic experiences have been that the mystics are right um yeah. that we're not really the body that all all beings are created equally and we're all on this kind of golden thread connecting us to each other and to creator and it's yeah. tangible it's not like it's you know words are, like you said words are one thing but it, yes. it becomes this kind of embodied sense of understanding um to say like a knowingness oh, I, and, and accepting yeah, yeah. A knowingness and an accepting like you said earlier of, of other people like where they are like like even people that like people that are causing pain they're just hurting. That's yes. that's all, you know. They're just like yes, the the big, the, the, the big guy, and I'm in Texas, where you're in Austin, too. You know, mm-hmm. the guys in their huge trucks and whatever. Their dad never hugged them.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, it's like they just they're they got all these tattoos, they've been lifting weights seven days a week for 10 years because their mom never gave them a kiss. You know, yeah. it's like I'm not gonna be mad at this guy, I'm gonna say, gosh. Cool car, man. You know, it's yeah. like, yes. it's like the opposite. Of it. You know, it's this beautiful sense. So
0: that's a beautiful way of putting it. And you know, I I had similar uh, takeaway from my side. I've never done any crazy heroic dose yet. Quite frankly, I think part yeah. of me is kind of heroic. Not a great yeah.
2: adjective, to be honest. No,
0: no, it's not. <laughs> but they call it that, right? In the psychedelic yeah, yeah, space. And yeah, for yeah. listeners, the that's heroic dose
5: correct. is like basically just a big fucking dose. And I've done enough to definitely to where I want to be by myself, right? And I was the same as you. I was overcome with, it's more for me, was the feeling. Like I, I felt so loving and I felt so at peace and I just sitting outside, I felt connected to everything. Like I could feel like the world breathing around me and just the sense of the, and then when I came out of that space, realizing how quickly my anxiety and my anger came out, you know, like my, and it really, it was the dichotomy for me that after it faded out to be like, wow, why can't I just have that feeling all the time? Why am I so angry? You know, why am I so agitated? Cause I do, I run pretty agitated as a baseline. And Mm. I, and I think it's just because I just have a lot of repressed anger, a lot of trauma. And so I tend to make people's actions about me, the big guy with the truck or the the woman who kind of yells at you in line at the grocery store, you're going to be thinking and ruminating that about that all day. Like that's something that I could let ruin my whole day after doing, I don't even like saying doing after experiences with psychedelics and after deep work and tapping into the work of mystics, it's helped me do exactly what you said. Just kind of tap and know that I'm connected and I just want to make as few energetic waves as possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, beautiful. Love Mm. love how you framed that. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, I like this guy, uh, Divine Nino Esteban. He's a really great creator too. He says, uh, if I don't cure myself, then I'm just going to be going around spreading my own toxic." You know, yes. it's like it's actually selfless to be selfish. Not, you know, that in that phrasing, but fixing yourself helps
5: everyone yes. else. Yeah. And that's the thing: if you're aware of your own tendencies to yeah. get triggered on things, and you can control that, it's like you actually can't do anything until you're able to control your own shit. You actually can't make any meaningful change until you know about those inner, um, you know, your your darkest shadowiest corners, right? And like kind of like blowing out the cobwebs.
2: Yeah, there's a, gosh, let me see if I can find it quickly. Mm. Uh, There's a Jung quote about this. Uh, He who looks outside dreams, he who looks inside awakens. We're all just undoing these layers of like egoic, really like separateness is kind of like a term in mystic philosophy, like this is separation land. This is the land where everybody is under the delusion that we're separate. And so, what we're doing with spiritual work is we're just kind of undoing it a little. Yeah. For me, it's very incremental. For others, you know, there's 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 guru stories where they just kind of wake up one day. I mean, even Byron Katie actually, who I really love, Eckhart Tolle, same, who I really love. Same. Have, I have love had these Byron like Katie. massive awakening, laying
5: on the ground, and then all of a sudden you're awakened, right? You just like
2: see through the dream of all.
5: We've been a little bit. Bombarded by some of these spiritual terms. And I kind of blame spiritual TikTok and spiritual Instagram sure. of like awakening. And also, some of these terms shouldn't be defined. And I think that's the problem. Ooh. You know what I mean? Awakening. Yeah. I hate that because because people really think like, oh, I should just have one experience and then my mind is awakened. I'm big into Jung. I'm big into alchemy. I love like solve et coagula, like dissolve and come together. And sometimes when something dissolves, it takes a long time. You know what I mean? It's like you said, layers are falling away. And sometimes big huge spiritual awakenings sometimes they're not as sustainable sometimes they like that slow gradual process where you kind of like you some things fall away then you fall back into another dark night of the soul and then you have to relearn some other things but you're never quite i always tell my listeners like you're never back at square one, right? You're never quite back at square one because you always know more than you did. And so it's that upward spiral because you can't really see, it feels like you're going down, but in reality, you're just going around another turn of that spiral, but you are going up. And I think that that's, that's kind of what I take away from what you're saying too. And I think that people can really feel down on themselves when they're expecting to have some huge breakthrough, like burning bush moment.
2: Totally. And uh, that's really well put and really important to get across to folks. And I think, you know, there's, it's all advancement. And the ego yes. voice wants to say, oh, you're back, you know, doing whatever, you're back in the old pattern again. Yeah. There, there's an Alan Watts quote that's really great. That's not in my book, but I made a video about it where he says, maybe you feel like you're going around and round in a circle. You're caught in this behavioral pattern, this loop. He says. If you zoom out on the galaxy, that's all everything's doing anyway. We're all just yeah. going around and around. Everything's yeah. in orbit, baby. It's okay. Yeah, it's the nature it's
0: cyclical. Of yeah, exactly. It's cyclical.
5: cyclical. Right. We're looking outside so, right now. The trees are the leaves are going to yeah. be falling. Right, it's like
2: very natural to go into that circular. It's the most natural thing. Yes,
5: yeah. falling apart is necessary, and then you just come back together again into something new. My last question for you, Bob, is experience rather than theology is a key theme in your book. And I thought this is a beautiful way to tie this up because what Mm -hmm. we've really been talking about is removing all of these layers and focusing on your own experience. You have to have your own experience. Can you discuss the importance of personal experience as a way to pierce through what you describe in the book as the illusory veil of life?
2: Yeah, I think the experience is the lesson. You know, the experience is the embodiment of the of the process of expanding itself. It's like you're working on a concept mentally or intellectually, and then but then you have like a friendship drama. Yeah. Well, this is a perfect opportunity to apply mm-hmm. what you've learned and experience it. Um, you know, the Buddha says car- you're carrying. You take the boat across to the other shore. When you get to the other shore, you just leave the boat. You don't you can, you can walk without it. You don't have to keep carrying the boat across the shore. You know, it's like that's what that's the experience. Like we have all these concepts, these books, these writings, but that's really where it uh, it comes alive. You know, we are in this material plane, delusory mm-hmm. or not. Um, you know, from from this separate le- level. To your point about the magician, you know, the mm-hmm. above and the mm-hmm. below, and so yeah, I think this is just where this is where the magic happens, and honoring that. Uh, as best we can. Ramakrishna says, eat the mangoes. The intellect will count all the orch- trees in the orchard. Here's this many mangoes. Here's this many branches. Here's this yeah. many trees. He just, just, just take a mango off the tree and take a bite out of it.
0: the yes. no.
2: <laughs> Sweetness.
0: Yes. Uh, and you know, so many religions and I've talked a lot about this on night, night bitch. Cause I'm just so interested in, um, you know, the Catholic church and all of this stuff. Yeah. It, the focus on you can only have a religious, quote unquote,
5: spiritual experience through an intermediary of a priest or, mm. you know, and and now we're seeing the same thing on Instagram. You could even replace this with one of my favorite uh, creators on Instagram is For All Beings. And she's mm. like essentially a, she creates AI art of like really cool mm. Buddhist stuff. I think you'd really like. Nice me. She talks a lot about um. Fucked up stuff going on in Buddhist Buddhism too, like culty yes. type Buddhist Buddhist corners, and that's not talked about a lot. But then online influencers. We're really we like to outsource our power into someone that we believe knows more than we are. And it's so Ooh. easy to fall into that because These concepts, uh, spiritual concepts can be dressed up to be very complicated and make it sound like you need someone else to interpret it to um, interpret it to you. And why I loved what you said in your book about experience rather than theology is you are a humble teacher, as in someone who is saying, go forth and find your own experience. I'm not a guru. I'm not an expert. And I just think we need more people like that out there in the world because there's not enough of that. And no matter where you are, no matter right now, where you talked about how Bob, where you are someone who is um, totally agnostic, someone who's just not even ready to go there. I think that it's really important to realize that you have it within you to find the right resources that will resonate for you. You know, you don't have to export that power out to someone else.
2: Absolutely, beautifully put. My role is we have a spiritual buffet line. I'm just the billboard the a <laughs> You're the lunch lady. You're the lunch lady. No, I'm just the billboard that says two for Tuesdays 5.99 <laughs> in 2 miles. you know. that's all that's I am. That's so have.
5: great. I'm just like the, the buckies.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exit 291.
5: That's amazing.
1: <laughs> well you know, Bob, yeah.
5: thank you so much for being here. I always I always like to leave my guests the ability to two things one say how they can find you and i'll be linking all listeners you'll be able to find all bob's stuff in the show notes as usual but how can listeners connect with you um would you like to shout out about anything that you're working on next what's next after original sin is a lie and then do you have any final words to leave the listeners yeah
2: with? cool thank you yeah. um yeah original sin is a lie is my book it's on amazon and i think most retail booksellers it's on audible i read the book
0: it's great. My um, listeners know fun. I love when someone reads their own book and I listen to it on Spotify. So it was great.
2: Cool. When I was writing it, I asked my friends, I was like, are you going to read this? Will you read this? And like the after the 10th person was like, are you going to have an audio book? It's like, yeah. you better put out an audio book too. Yeah, you so better. <laughs> it's out. Um, and yeah, I think uh, one thing I'm working on, I've been working on it for about a year or so is uh, mindfulness education. Um, so um, particularly, I'm working on, on getting mindfulness curriculum in schools. Um, so important. Working with, uh, we started with some kids stuff. Now we're working with uh, school teachers. So any anybody in the school district or education system, holla um, at me. We're uh, Awareness and Compassion Project is our name. Awarenessandcompassion.org. I'd say parting words. You know, the main thing that I that I like to share with people is like, you know, you're not dirty you know yeah. you're 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 inherently good I meant to tell this story earlier there's a there's a great um kind of relevant for our listeners in terms of like the self criticism mm-hmm. um there's a, a great course in miracles teacher named john mundy and he said he tells a story a lot of a course in miracles is about removing judgment of others and of self uh being becoming kind of non-judgmental and uh he had the student came up to him and he said, "John, I just I can't do this. Like I don't think I can work with you. I'm so judgmental. I'm just I'm seeing how much I'm judging, judging everything <laughs> and everyone, and it's just awful. I just I'm so sorry." And John goes, "Fantastic, because you're that's the first step is seeing, you know, how judgmental you, can't, you are. You can't fix, you can't help, you know, you can't remove it unless you notice yes. it, before, so that." that's really important. So yeah. So, you know, don't be so hard on yourselves, everybody and me.
0: Beautiful, beautiful parting words. Well, listeners, I hope you gained as much from this conversation as I did. And Bob, thank you for your work and for sharing your wisdom with my listeners. today. Ah, Thanks
2: for having me. Huge fan. Love your work, Molly. Thank you.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you for being here with me today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bob as much as I did As usual, links to Bob's work and how to connect with him will be included in the episode description, so don't forget to check that out. If you would like to access ad-free episodes to Back From the Borderline and also unlock hundreds of hours of bonus content, you can choose to become a premium submarine by visiting patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. So don't forget to check that out if you're interested. You can also join our Discord community, Is full of amazing other listeners who are going through this recovery process. It is the most wholesome and sweet Discord I have ever seen. And shout out to Morgan, who is our amazing admin of the Discord. I'd also like to shout out the sponsor of the podcast, Pure Spectrum CBD. Listeners that are loyal to the podcast know I don't advertise or promote brands that I don't totally believe in. And Pure Spectrum is not only brought to me by a listener of the podcast and a premium submarine. They are a small company based in Evergreen, Colorado. They have collaborated with various different athletic bodies. They focus so intensely on the quality of their products and they sent me some stuff to sample out before I agreed to become a sponsor. And when I say a few of their products have been life-changing for me, they have especially their CBD and CBN tincture. It's a nighttime tincture because as many loyal listeners of the podcast will know around my menstrual cycle, especially in the luteal phase, which is like PMS time. If people will probably be more familiar with that phrasing, I struggle with sleep. I have really bad insomnia about a week before my period. And this tincture helps me actually feel like I get a restful and deep night's sleep. I also struggle with back pain around the time of my period and they have an amazing CBD cream that really helps with that too. But as always, not everything that works for me is going to work for you, so make sure that you are your own best advocate and if you're taking any medications, make sure that you talk to your doctor because I'm pretty sure CBD can interact with some medications. So do your own research. But if you are a lover of CBD products and you would like to support me and buy from Pure Spectrum and also support an amazing company doing really good work that really prioritizes the quality of their ingredients, check them out. All you have to do is go to backfromtheborderline.com, click in to access my link tree, and then there's a little Pure Spectrum button at the very bottom, and that allows you to unlock a discount on your first order. You can also support the podcast by sharing an episode with someone that you love and following me on Instagram at back from the borderline or following the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And lastly, the usual, you know, standard rate and review the podcast. It really does help. So if you have five minutes to spare, uh, you can go ahead and write me a review on Apple podcasts. That would be super duper nice but you can also rate the podcast on Spotify. They don't allow you to write anything right now, but just throw me some stars, okay? That's really helpful. But that's all I've got for you today. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day, night, wherever you might be. And remember, anyone, including you, can come back from the borderline. See you next time.